Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. Danny Blandflower, you are the archdove of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, but the UK's now got double-digit inflation. Should the bank be doubling down on its August jumbo rate rise by hiking by 50 basis points again in September? Um, absolutely not. Um, I think I, I actually would have voted for rate cuts in the last meeting. I think the and probably at the that this one coming, the arguments to stop um, are very very powerful. Not least because the bank has forecast a horrible long-lasting recession coming, and in the end, they're actually forecasting deflation as well. So obviously, this is a temporary phenomenon. It's very worrying. It's very high. People are going to hurt because of it. But ultimately, this is going to go away and the economy is going to head terribly into a long lasting and deep recession. So I think they have to sit, sit pat and wait. Uh, obviously, it's worrying, but uh, this is, these are really very tough times. High inflation, falling output, rising unemployment and ultimately probably deflation. But given the inflationary forces are, are at this stage pretty strong, what's the point of the Monetary Policy Committee if inflate if they're not there to step in and hike rates to calm inflation well that's a great question i I mean i sat up that committee and the way that the way you have to think about this is that monetary policy takes 18 months or so to have any effect and so the the, so the committee can't respond to every little rise uh, a recent rise they have to think what's going to happen in 18 months or so down the road is inflation going to be high then, not now? And is this rise today, does this, does this change your view of what happened a month ago? And the answer is there is every prospect, and it's obviously very worrying now, there's every prospect that these numbers will, will fall. World, world prices are falling. Oil prices are actually falling. Uh, corn prices, uh, cost of shipping around the world. The Baltic dry has been plummeting. Freight prices, all, all of those are coming through. So the process of having prices falling is coming. Uh, the, the committee can't just respond to a, to a to one month change. They have to think, what does the world look like in 18 months or two years' time? And the answer is, by that point, inflation will have fallen. The big problem the British economy will have is it will be deep in recession, caused essentially by the Bank of England raising rates faster than it should have. Well, given the Monetary Policy Committee is so powerless, at least in the short term, as you say, would it actually help if the next Prime Minister reviews the Bank of England's mandate as the front-runner Liz Truss proposes? Well, (laughs) they can review the remit, 
that's not going to do much because the problem is really going to start to happen in September. If you want to sit and think about what the Bank of England should be doing, that's fine. That should take you a, a, a year or two to think about, set up a committee and think about why the bank failed, why it missed the Great Recession, why it's probably not really sorted out this inflation terribly well. So that's something you certainly could put in train and can think about. Should you take change the target? Howard Davis said perhaps you should change the target to four. That's fine. But that's not going to change anything. That's not going to feed kids. That's not going to solve the problem of the cost of living crisis. The government's going to have to step in and do something like Gordon Brown proposed, which is try and help poor people who can't afford to pay their bills. And this is many millions of people in the UK. So changing the remit of the Bank of England is literally like fiddly while Rome burns. It's not relevant right now. What's relevant is to get people money to pay their bills. But that's not really the Bank of England's job. That's that's a fiscal policy question. So Correct. should the, the Bank of England should just be sitting back and doing nothing in your view? I think that's probably right. I mean, in a sense that but when I said I would have voted for a rate cut, I would have argued that the, the arguments for doing nothing are, are very plausible, not least because we've never seen these kinds of relations going on. So you're right. The Bank of England is not is not the main show in town. The main show show will actually be the new prime minister and the new chancellor who will get into office in September and realize that basically all the things they've been saying is complete nonsense. They have to get in and help ordinary people pay their bills. That's the pressing need. How are they going to do it? They haven't addressed. But but the day they walk in and go into the Treasury, the permanent secretary at the Treasury is going to have to explain that to them. So given what we do know about what the two candidates to be the next Conservative leader and Prime Minister would do to ease the cost of living crisis, Liz Truss proposes tax cuts now, Rishi Sunak's offering targeted support for the poorest households. Can either of them stave off a recession? And how inflationary would their proposals be? And ultimately, who would be better for the economy? Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick who's better for the uh, who's better. That's not really the choice of an economist. Uh, I mean, the reality is that nothing that they have said goes anywhere close to dealing with the problem that's coming. Um, so, so they're going to have to confront that. Um, they have to get real. And so, I think I'm not going to say who, who who's going to win. It looks like it's going to be trust. But the idea that tax cuts and corporate t- tax changes are going Im- to help what I call the, the woman riding on the Mile End Road omnibus is, is, a, is a joke. That's just simply not true. So they're going to have to try and just do a screeching U-turn and start to come up with measures. As I say, Gordon Brown proposed all kinds of things, including a temporary um, nationalization of the energy companies. But the reality is that with 10% inflation, people simply are struggling to pay their bills. And what are you going to do? You know, the, Obviously, re- pre- preventing a, a, a national insurance tax rise is a good idea, but that's preventing a rise. What we're going to have to see, a fast action, as Gordon Brown and, and Alistair Darling did in the 2008 recession, and actually as Sunak did with the pandemic. So we know that it's possible to do it, and Sunak himself actually did it. Respond quickly, respond with huge fiscal help. Maybe it's temporary and targeted, but the reality is that Britain is headed to a deep recession. The Bank of England is forecasting three years with about 1.7% declining up over a three-year period. And I think that's hugely optimistic that the world is in the UK is much likely to be worse, as, as in a sense today's data was, worse than the markets really were expecting. So I think we're sitting on the, you know, on the, we're sitting on the, uh, on the tip of a precipice 
um, and we'll see what happens. But it appears that the policymakers once again messed up, haven't got it right, haven't seen what's coming, and harsh reality is going to hit them in the face. What is your prognosis then? How high will inflation go? The Bank of England says 13%, over 13% when the energy price cap goes up. And how deep or long do you think the recession will be? Well, this is obviously, this is completely new territory. I mean, we really have no clue uh, formally how to do it. The bank, as I said, the Bank of England is forecasting that there will be five negative quarters of growth and then follow that seven quarters where basically growth will be zero. So that that looks optimistic. A lot of it, of course, depends upon what we've just talked about. What does the government do? How does the government intervene to prevent the economy collapsing? Because inflation will start to tumble. It's started already to fall in the United States. So those declines will come. The question is, how deep will it be and how long lasting will it be? Well, obviously, that's pretty hard one to call. But the answer is it's going to depend a lot upon what the new prime minister in September does and how they how they respond to the reality that they're confronted with rather than trying to get persuade 150,000 people to vote for them they're going to have to try and deal with the the well-being of the woman on the Milan Road omnibus and and inflation you know cities saying above 15% the start of next year well, where would you see it going well, we'll see we'll see i mean it's a pretty hard thing to forecast actually i mean as we saw today um these things have surprised. I mean, the question, in a sense, your question is a tough one. Think about why this is so hard. We we, we were unable really to forecast what was going on because of the, the spread of COVID. So we don't know how quite that worked through. We've had a, a war in the Ukraine and that's impacted. And then, of course, there's Brexit. I mean, the question you have, in a sense, you have to ask yourself is why is the UK so much worse than everywhere else? And why will inflation be so much worse? Why will output decline be so much worse? And the answer is, the, the, the B word that people don't want to speak, but the answer is that the, the labor market is not working so well because these highly mobile workers went to Eastern Europe. Uh, Brexit's preventing um, goods coming in at cheaper prices. So, so this is a reality that the UK has faced. And you really should ask the question, A, why it's bad, and B, why it's so much worse than everywhere else. And the answer is kind of obvious policy and Brexit. Well, given what we know about where the economy is heading, where do you see interest rates rising to? Your fellow former MPC member, Andrew Sentence, says 3 to 4%. Well, that would be completely disastrous as every call for rate rises of that kind of been. Think about a rise to 4%. So what will that do? Well, it'll make the recession deeper. It will make people be unable to pay their credit card bills. It will cause a housing market crash. And it will make the recession have many, many more negative quarters and last longer. Why would you do anything that is like that to try and make things much worse for ordinary people? So that would be a completely crazy thing to do. Um, it would, the sensible thing to do would be to sit pat, wait and see. And the que- only question actually is when the next rate cut comes. And my suspicion is it'll probably come at the end of this year. Um, I mean, Andrew Sensen has called for rate rises every week since 2008. So, you know, we had the credibility there, I'm afraid, is not high. The answer is that if you went to 3 or 4%, this would be completely disastrous. Well, you mentioned the housing market. Are we already seeing a slowdown that will be prolonged? Is, could it lead to a crisis? Well, of course it could. I mean, so think about what, what you, if the talk is that you're going to raise rates to 3 or 4%, what, are we, what would that do? So let's just think it through. 
makes it hard for people to pay their car loans. It makes it hard for people to pay their credit cards. There'll be defaults on mortgages. House prices will fall. But probably before that, and things we're starting to see, will be slowdown in building. You're gonna, people are going to stop building houses because we know the prices are going to fall. People can't afford to, to pay for them. So raise, raising rates to 3 or 4% would turn a recession into a depression. Um, so I, I just don't really understand it. How does, how, I mean, the reality is that inflation tends to go away. And what we know, actually, the most likely response from a recession is actually from a, 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 a highly inflationary period like this is actually deflation. So we have 800 years of data from the Bank of England. And we know that when, when inflation gets above 10%, the big fear is actually that inflation now goes to, goes to negative. It becomes deflation. And actually, central bankers have no clue what to do about deflation. This is a really hard place to be. Think of the 1930s. What happened in the 1930s? We had a depression. We had a severe inflation. We then generated lots of unemployment. And then we got deflation. So the, these old fixes, I mean, can you, can you imagine what a rising rates to 4% would actually do to ordinary people? This would be disastrous. What would it mean for the pound? And I'm also factoring in Liz Truss's proposals there as well as to, you know, if, if she does become prime minister and implements her plans as, as advertised. You know, there are some who are saying that we could be looking at dollar pound parity on the horizon. Do you see the, the pound being driven that week? Well, I do think that. I mean, I wrote a column in The Standard the, about 10 days or so ago warning that the, these, these kinds of policies that we've heard Truss and others advocating would actually be really bad for, for four markets, actually. The bond market, the stock market, the foreign exchange market, and the other one that we've just talked about, the housing market. So, so obviously, the relative performance of the UK is worse than other countries. So therefore, that's going to have an impact on the pound. Uh, in some sense, what you'd think is that these markets prevent politicians from doing silly things, right? Pre I mean, they prevent them. Um, the, the, they say, if you, if you do this, you know, this is going to have a severe impact. So I certainly think that the, 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 the people will be concerned about the pound and, was, and will short the pound if they, unless they come in and start to respond to, to harsh realities of life rather than made up stuff. And this is this is harsh times. You'd have to think you in a harsh economic reality like this, you would like to have in place experienced people who've had their hand on the tiller for a long time instead of some inexperienced person. I mean, who's the chancellor going to be on September the 7th? Um, what, what will the market think of that? So obviously you make an appointment on September the 7th and the market thinks this is nuts and the pound starts to fall and the cost of borrowing to the British people falls. And the stock market is obviously then vulnerable as well. So the reality is that if, they, if the politicians end up saying and doing stupid things, that's going to have a very bad impact. And it certainly looks that um, the markets are likely to start to, to short the, the British economy because of the reality that's being faced and the lack of, the lack of a sensible plan from politicians. And finally, Danny, what surprised us all the way through this crisis is how little gas is flowing through. Couldn't this whole gas crisis get a lot worse, actually, and make inflation a lot worse than it is now? Is that something that economists are underestimating? Well, I mean, the thing with inflation is people mix up high prices from actually inflation. 
So, so the, even though prices are high, inflation could actually be starting to fall. I don't, I don't know whether that's going to be true in the gas market. I mean, in a sense, you you have to you have to think how hard it is to forecast. So you you have a shock, which was the COVID crisis. People made forecasts about it, and they didn't expect the European war to come to come through. And now the question is, what's going to happen to the supply of gas? It does appear that adjustments are being made. I mean, we heard this week, Germany says, well, we're not going to close three nuclear power plants. We're going to keep those going. We're going to start to move from Russia to, to, to Norway and, and increase our um, utilization there. So to actually forecast what's going to happen in the energy markets and whether production is going to be, be sort of stopped or um, in, so somehow incapacity. That would be worse, right? That would that would be worse. But let's just put, put a harsh reality: oil price, global oil prices, not just gas prices, but global oil prices have fallen for 52 days in a row and continue to tumble. They fell five percent two days ago. They fell by five percent. I don't know what they've done this morning. So the reality is, perhaps the good news is that perhaps supply will actually be greater, and that will be a that will be good news. But today's news is actually about food prices. And the problem with that is much of this is not is not very avoidable. How do people who are, let's say, are a public sector worker, you've just had a 2% pay raise and prices rise by 10? You're in trouble. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.